Yeah, all right, let's do this again. All right, ready, set, go. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, what episode? Uh, what episode number is this again? Um, so if we're going by zero index, it's episode three. If episode we're, three. If we're not, if we're going by normal counting, it's episode four. <laughs> Anywho, I, I I would like to go by zero index. Let's keep it. Let's keep it all nerdy and techy. Yeah. We still can, and whatnot. But yeah, man, dude. Uh, how was your week? Week was pretty solid. Yeah. Um, in terms of things that I did, uh, IBMChefWatson.com. That's the project I'm on. So I'm a front end developer, well, full stack developer for IBM Chef Watson, and we launched the uh, next version of our website up. So you can check that out at IBMChefWatson.com. Yeah. Um, what else did I do? Went downtown again on Friday night with uh, B because uh, Vanessa was in town. So you know, oh, hang out dude. with Notre Dame kids. Yeah. Ness that was, was fun. In town. How's she yeah. doing? Doing all right. Doing, doing all right. right. Oh, yeah, dude. it was interesting. Um, <laughs> Saturday night, went to a uh, dinner with a lot of um, Nigerian students from UT, yeah. and that was really fun. Yeah, had my sides like <laughs> hurting because you know that you have that African humor that oh, no, I feel, you only man. get with around other Africans. You know? No, um, I know. No, dude, I remember that. I went. I, I go. I went home for. Uh, for Easter, and I, I had my ab workout then, dude. I feel you. Yeah, so it's been a pretty solid weekend. Spent the rest of Sunday just chilling, um, vacuuming, cleaning, organizing my closet. Also, Daredevil. For yo, for those of y'all that have Netflix, y'all really need to watch this show. So is it really that good? Like everyone is like, it is amazing. It. I was what? like, I was like, what the. the like it blew me out of the water i was not expecting it to be this good holy crap like i like i can't watch it all in one sitting come like my heart needs to rest this action's too much <laughs> yeah i was just like i can't do it so i watched like five episodes of that played a couple a little bit of ps4 you know did some design work or like some sketches and all that but yeah what about you romeo you were uh at notre dame right yeah so i, I ended up going um going to Notre Dame this weekend, uh, mainly just focusing on startup weekend and just going through that whole process and that event. So I didn't, I didn't see a lot of people, uh, as much, as much as I would have wished, but I went through the startup weekend experience and it's quite, it's quite an experience. Like the, I really got a lot out of it. So if anyone out there ever has the opportunity to do it, if anything, you walk out of there with like the knowledge of how, do you go about validating your idea? How do you identify a market? And you get to like learn how to test out your idea. You know how everyone just walking around and saying like, oh my God, yo, E, do you want to, yo, dude, I got a great idea, man. Uh, I need, I just need a developer. Everybody like, thinks it's next Zuckerberg. Exactly. So like, or what's what? that guy's name from Snapchat? Spiegel? Spiegel? Yeah, I don't even know. I don't Evan Spiegel, Spiegel, something like that. Yeah, everybody thinks they have the next billion dollar idea. Evan Spaghetti. Yep. But then, they're, <laughs> but they're like, come on, before you, before I tell you my idea, I'm gonna need you to sign this NDA. This NDA. I bet they just 
Wait, do people even actually like legit go through the the trouble of getting a real NDA? Or I'm being serious, man. I just got an NDA in the Microsoft Word document, like Word doc, like a dot doc file. And I was just like, they send that to you, like, oh, sign over it. email. Yeah. Tell, oh, dude. Nah, I just man. I read over it. I'm just like, I'm not signing this if I'm doing work for you. <laughs> like, exactly. I mean, it makes no about? sense, right? I'm like, if it was for like a big corporation that's already established. Then that's NDA what I can understand as an NDA. But if you're not even, if you just have an idea, then you fill out a patent. You don't fill out an NDA. Patents are made for protecting your idea. Exactly right. No, so like essentially, all this weekend event, what it taught me was like, okay, how do you go from like having an idea and showing that this is has a, a viable market? How do you go about saying, okay, this is X what? Like this is something that x market would need here are the competitors here's how i'm different and here's uh-huh. here's my plan from going to market here's where i'm gonna struggle and here's like my two minute business plan right i mean granted mm-hmm. like my idea my idea had a lot of le- had legs but kind of we kind of hit like a roadblock and whatnot i if i went to the details it might be a little bit long but just overall, I'm like really thankful that I went through the whole process, and I would encourage anyone out there who ever has the opportunity to just go there, and you just learn a lot. You meet people like this is like if there was the definition of networking. This is where you go to meet people who are who have the same like intention as you. Like if, if you want to learn how to start a company or just want to learn like the lean methods instead of just reading just reading about them. You can go mm-hmm. out of your way to just practice them in one weekend and you learn a lot just by doing, you know? Yeah, definitely. So ran into that. And dude, also I want to give a shout out to Nick Ochoa that I ran into over the weekend. Thanks for the Twitter. Thanks for the tweets. And uh, there's a lot of people that I ran into uh, who support the show. So to all of you out there that I saw this weekend, good move. Really appreciate it. It means a lot. Much appreciated. But yeah, good. So now we got the whole recap going. How about we talk about the topic du jour? Du jour? I can't do it, man. No, no, yeah, you, no you said it right the first time, man. Oh, du jour? Yeah, oh, okay. Topic. The thing is, like, since du jour. You, if you want to get super fancy, you say topic du jour. All right. You can have a French strategy, like every. Okay, like I can't do it. I can't. No, do no. It. I, yeah, here's the thing. What it sounds like, it sounds like they're gonna, you're gonna spit at the end, like topic du jour, Ugh, right? Can't do but, it. I'll stick to Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> topic. The, how would you say topic du jour in Spanish? Actually, uh, I forgot how you say topic in Spanish. Uh, about of the day. Um, topic uh, del dia. Topic del dia. All right. The topic well, or del is dia. it el dia or la dia? I think day is masculine. I can't remember. I haven't taken Spanish since sophomore year of college, but it's all good. It's all good. So, I mean, so tonight uh, we just thought that we'd go and kind of chronicle what it took for us to succeed. You know, like what we we think it took us to, you know, make it at Notre Dame per se, right? Yeah. And, I mean... I mean, a lot of people when when we when we talk to folks, they're just like amazed that we even graduated, right? Mm-hmm. And folks in general, but like, if we were to come to like a definition of success, how how would you define success from Notre Dame, from your standpoint? I think. 
for me, being successful is like being successful at Notre Dame. Let's just like kind of hone on that at Notre Dame or post graduation. I mean, because at Notre Dame, a lot of people define success in a very um, how do you want how do I say this a very deterministic like or concrete like GPA success. But I don't think your GPA really defines you. GPA is just mm. a number. You know, and I felt like I defined success as how much knowledge was I able to take away, not only from within the classroom and not only within my area of study, but then also how much knowledge and new things was I able to learn outside of the classroom. So whether it's through self-study or through my interactions with various different groups of people at Notre Dame, that's really how I define success because I, be- I came into Notre Dame a whole different person than I was after graduating. And it was my experiences, not only in the classroom, but more, I'd argue, more so outside of the classroom that turned me into this kind of semi-successful individual I am today. By my standards, I feel like I'm at a point where I can say I'm pretty successful and from other standpoints, but at the same time, I still have a desire to do more. I still have more goals I need to reach. Before we go into the conversation of like what we want of to do more, which probably would be a conversation for a whole, for a whole other time. Yeah. I just want to say like, is this definition of success something you want in knowing, or is this like something that you ended up having to redefine at the end? Or like, is how do you go about like having this, ex- this formulation of success? You know, I think I came into college thinking that GPA was sort of the indicator of success um, because my roommate freshman year, this guy, love him to death. Like me and him still keep in contact every, um, yeah. for the most part. But mm-hmm. I call him pretty successful. One of the smartest guys I met because I'd be like trying to study or like you know kind of like working hard. But he just was coasting through all of our like uh, prereq classes, like calc two, physics, all of that. And he had a pretty good GPA. So I was like, dang, he's really successful, you know. But at the same time, as I started experience college more and more, and as I started interacting with more people. I found that just because you have, um, just so you can sort of like, uh, um, what is it? How do you say? Like, just regurgitate information that you crammed into your head the night before doesn't necessarily mean that you're really successful. It just means that you're really good at memorizing from the book or you take really good notes and you know how to study well. But at the same time, they weren't doing anything outside of like the classroom. And I was just like, "Uh, I don't think that's really being successful because college is a holistic, it's all about the holistic change. But like I, I don't know, that's, that's that's how I look at it. But how about you? Like, how do you define the success? And like, did you come in to college with that same mentality that you had leaving college? I want to hear more on that. So my definition of success, um, like obviously, as people will learn over like the course of like time and I guess life in general, like the, the definition of success usually changes over time and whatnot. As mm-hmm. you your goals and you pass them, but I remember at the time when I uh, when I went into college, I think success for me was just like first of all graduate, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think it was by around the time of junior year was like graduate for job, right? So yeah. when I came in, my freshman year was like graduate with GPA X. Yep, which was at around the time I wanted. I wanted like that, that 3.7, 3.6. Wow, you know? you're ambitious. I know it's just like, C's no, get no. degrees. <laughs> no, like 
freshman year you were all about C's get degrees or was that post? No, dude, that was freshman year because, Word. you know, that's why I had like a 2-2 whenever, like, you know, we'll go into more detail later, but yeah. it was a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah, no, so, no, for me, my freshman year, man, I, dude, I was, I mean, my freshman year, my goal was to maintain like a similar GPA as I had in, uh, in high school, you know? Yeah. And then... I think was a uh, sophomore year. I was like, you know what? Ex- what exactly do I want to be doing by the time I graduate? Mm-hmm. And then so I looked at all the job requisitions for like companies like uh, Microsoft, GE, Qualcomm, oh, yep, and and those type of folks. I looked at. It, I was like, well, you know what? Like these folks think that uh, a 3.0 GPA is pretty cool. It's pretty good. And there's like all these different skills that I need to get. So for me, success just ended up being how do I land a job at one of these places and whatnot. Yeah. And it turns out as soon as like as you depending on your definition of success and how you how you how you define it from at that standpoint, mm-hmm. you kinda like guide your collegiate uh, activities and collegiate activities and grades and uh, work ethic. To just meet mm-hmm. those uh, to meet those requirements specifically, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I wish I had that sort of concrete idea of what how, like my life planned out. Yeah. Whenever, like, like you were saying, you made a list of the potential future employers or where you yeah. wanted to aim at. I didn't have any idea what the heck I was doing. <laughs> I came in as a computer engineering major. Yeah, because and you, and you dropped me as your lab partner as soon as the you're going to stay salty about that oh, forever. Dude, I'm forever gonna be salty, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, four weeks without a lab partner in intro to EE. You know how tough that is. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I, I feel bad for it. Don't get me wrong, but no, no, yo, I know, I do. I had to I'll, do what I had to do. <laughs> I feel you, G. Hey, dude, I'm telling you, man, that class wasn't easy. Yeah, I mean, class was easy. Lab was. Yeah, I saw. Easy. I saw the lab requirements. Just like you want us to write, how much? <laughs> <laughs> Them lab reports, though. I dropped that classic. It was hot. Yeah, man, you dropped it like hotcakes, man. You feel me? Drop it like yeah. it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. <laughs> but I didn't have the idea of like success, like you did. You knew which employees you wanted to work for and where you were aiming. I just had dreams. I had dreams like, yeah, I want to work for Google. You know, until I actually went through that interview process and it just violated me. And (laughs) but I eventually my idea is I kind of figured out where I wanted to be at after I changed my major. Because after I dropped computer engineering, I switched to computer science. And then the semester after that, I added on my design degree. Yeah. And I kind of realized to be really successful, I felt like I had to evolve not only my computer science slash like software engineering or software development skills to where I want to be able to be versatile from the web platform to the mobile platform. But I also need to evolve my design skills to the point where I could marry the two fields together. Yeah. Actually, like, good question. I just thought of this. Did Was there anyone in particular that you looked up to or like, uh, like a computer programmer role model that you wanted to be like or I don't know like was there any sort not necessarily inspiration but like guy yeah let's say inspiration was there anyone you like you were aspiring to be like while you were in college I'm, I'm just curious 
aspiring to be like within um during college i'll have to say no but growing up my cousin chica um he was a computer science and a marketing major got his master's degree in computer science from cornell also has an mba from mit but he was the one that sort of inspired me to be a computer scientist because i just wanted to be a game developer at first and then i was just like wait a minute this isn't practical Chick has studied computer science, and he's like, you can do whatever you want with that degree. You can do game design, game development, whatever. But then when it came to the design side of things, one of my best friends in high school, Ricky, he's a designer, and he sort of taught me the fundamentals of like web design, so HTML, CSS, and I kind of was like imitating him. I was trying to be more like him with his style, which is kind of funny, though, because he stopped doing HTML and CSS, and now the student has surpassed the master, because that's what I just sort of focused on <laughs> for the last couple of years. Yeah. So I was really, those were really my two like main motivations from growing up. And okay. I just was kind of like, as I got older and went through my design curriculum, I started finding more websites, and I found some people on Dribbble that I wanted to aspire okay. to yeah. and copy their um, aesthetic. That's really my inspiration. Like so, it's from a from a like initially from initial standpoint, you kind of like had those two people who kind of influenced you. Yeah. And what you picked and like essentially how you needed to go about to be like them. Yeah. But yeah, I feel you. I, I think for me, like the reason I chose electrical engineering because I I, I love electronics, right? I think same one. I, I think they're the future, absolutely, and I'm always intrigued at how exactly. Uh, things work and if I were to say if I had like role models of people that I looked up to at the time uh, the first one would be Nicholas Negroponte right so that's mm-hmm. the dude who uh, he he's like re- he's super smart and he's the guy who initiated the program one laptop per child yeah right which is like okay like what I'm gonna what he did he just for he created a laptop. He kind of kicked off a project to design laptops so cheap that almost every single person in the world <coughs> could get it. And the main, the aim was to provide it to students in uh, developing countries and whatnot. And mm-hmm. so my intention and my goal still is kind of like, how, how do I go about creating something that has a similar impact? And to me, I just felt like maybe knowing how those things work would be a way for me to get really into it yeah and uh throughout the process of just like digging through the life of nicholas negroponte and the things that he did i ran across uh silicon valley's design uh poster boy uh eve behar right like mm-hmm. if, if you do hardware design and you're interested in electronic hardware design eve behar is like not necessarily a god, but homeboy is the man. Because... It's always hard, like whenever to differentiate between what you're talking about when you say design. Cause I was thinking, oh, like product design, but then you're just like, no, hardware design. I'm like, ah. Anyways, continue. Sorry. No, the thing is like, no. Eve Behar is the dude who essentially he designed the one laptop per child, right? Okay. The form fact. He's the form factor is Eve Behar, right? Not like I. I'm very much interested in the internals as I'm as much as I'm. In, interested in the external right? oh definitely definitely so eve behar was the dude i looked up to and so he created like one laptop per child he's also the guy behind the design of the uh jawbone up the first version i think also up to the third version actually 
That's what's but up. Don't quote me on that. And he's also the guy behind August Smart Lock. So that's like a smart lock that you can like open, um, like lock your uh, home door with. And yeah. it's like absolutely ridiculously well designed. And fun fact, the Herman Miller chairs that are in the library. The designed by chair, him as well? Designed by him as well, man. Home you know, a G. you just remind me that I need to buy one of those. But then I look at the price tag and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, Dude, maybe I can just can wait. I'm just saying, students of Notre Dame, just so you know. Those Economics. cool green uh, chairs, chairs at the library are the fish about yeah, in $400, the $400 to $600. No, $600 brand new a pop, I, I believe. $599 a piece. So just so you know, you're putting your ass on an expensive piece of furniture. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while you're at it. I'm just saying. Because as soon as you get out, you know what you get. You go to Wally World, you get a task chair for $35, and you thank God that yeah. you know it kind of lets you sit at a comfortable level. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. But so you were really influenced by just the entire project in general, the one laptop project, both from yeah. the product design aspect or industrial design aspect, but also the electrical engineering side of things. Yeah. Because, you know, just to really create that type of laptop as such a small, like, it's really hard to make a profit of some sort, or at least like make it very scalable. Yeah, no. I mean, like, for me personally, so. If you just think about, like, the main motivation for me is just still, like, all the hardware, electronic hardware design are very much focused in, they're made for the countries that can afford it, right? Yeah. So, that means U.S. and Europe, because that's where the money is, and so there's no, like, no hardware design is specifically focused to designing on things that would be more useful uh, in third world countries, right? For example, mm-hmm. like if you go in a third world country, listen, man, I don't need an iPhone because that thing would break. First, it would get super dirty and might not be as durable, right? Or maybe it might be too hot for the device itself to even work. I remember back when I was in uh, in uh, middle school, my older sister was like in uh, eighth grade taking, I think, I believe, Calc 2. Yeah, and she, luckily she had a TI-84. But the problem with TI-84 is that it's designed for the temperature in the U.S. So if, if you go in a country that's about, I don't know, 112 degrees on average every single day, the electronics of the TI-84 just, they couldn't make it. So what they, ended up happening, wow. she had to put the calculator in the fridge when she came back from school to make sure, like, hey, let's make sure that the internals of this uh, the internals of this calculator kind of like get back to the regular uh, temperature that it would be in an environment like here in the US so that it can work so she can make her computations that one that that was one of the days I realized like there there's something missing here that's know? wild you know and yeah. like, even now I'm still in the process of learning like what does it take to make a product from end to beginning but that those those things were the motivations for me uh, to just like slug through the electrical engineering work that I had back then. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But also in general, like, and the thing is, like, as much as we're talking about like the things that big picture brought us through, uh, like, helped us through the process, there's like the daily grind was, oh man. Too real. Too it real. Was too real. So I guess we can I guess we can talk about that now. So 
kind of like explain how did you really um, succeed or the daily? How did, how did yeah, your da- what was your daily ritual for getting Ooh. to where you are now? How did, were you making sure that you were meeting those goals or those um, deadlines? You know, just sort of like okay, you're checking in. Like okay, here's where I'm at. So the what more do I have to do? Yeah. So the daily grind yeah. for me, I kind of freshman year, I kind of analyzed how the general populace of Notre Dame operated. Because if you think, like, if you observe really well, like, the general population of the college, like, maybe about 75 to 80% of the people have, like, a very similar rhythm, right? Typically, most folks would just, like, would have, like, after freshman year, after, like, mandatory 8 a.m. classes, after freshman year, everyone kind of, like, slugs through to wake up, and they go to class at 9.30, they skip breakfast, go to class, right, and they finish at about maybe two or three. They come back to the dorm. Uh, They do either Xbox, chill, listen to music, go eat dinner at 5.30. After 5.30, come back, watch some TV, talk a little bit. And then after that, like right around 7, 7.30, people start studying, and they study up until maybe midnight, 1230 come back talk for like about an hour and go to sleep at two and yeah. after two they do about an um seven to seven hours of sleep to wake up at nine again and they would do that all over again to go through the thing and i'm like well how like i i personally didn't like that and the thing is like one of the things i realized is that if you wanted to hang out with most people during the time they wanted to hang out which is like from between five and eight and you mm-hmm. wanted to have like your engineering work done then, I kind of needed to look at it differently. Yeah. So what I did, first of all, breakfast is the move. I love breakfast. I swear by breakfast. So I would essentially, I would wake up every single day by around 6.30, 6.45. Take mm-hmm. a shower. There's no one in the shower at that time because no one has classes. So you can like use all the hot water you want and not even complain about, you know, like, hey, yo, Dude, stop using the hot shower. Do when you're going to get out. Yeah. Go in the shower around that time. Uh, things are very calm. No one is speaking. Not a lot of noise. Go to breakfast. I would take about like one hour breakfast because like it's just, I just like eating slowly. And after my 8 a.m. classes, what I would do, I would, after like I got out of the dorm at 8, I would not step back in my room up until maybe like 5.30, like no matter what happened. Oh, wow. Right, that that was a rule for me. I was like, you know what? What happens in the dorm is that I end up sleeping, I end up being distracted. So what I would do, like I would map my study spaces based on the classes that I would have. So I identified about like three study spaces that I had. So if I remember correctly, when I after I had class in DBART, I would go to like the math library because that was between that was like a really good spot to just go study. Yeah. Like DBART, then I'll do math library. Then the math library was right in the same building as Hayes Healy. That's where uh the uh whatchamacallit tutorials would be, right? So I'd do that. That would be like my uh study spot number one. And then I believe freshman year, my other study spot was Tinson Remick during the morning. Those places were empty. So I'd also study there. 
Yeah, Cincinnamic was also one of my go-to spots whenever I really need to be head down, down. crunching down, grind, grind, grind. I can go to Cincinnamic because engineers aren't social people, so I wouldn't have to worry about (laughs) distractions. Being bothered. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, hey, Holly, what's up? Yeah, I can't get that much work done in the design building. People are too friendly. Yeah. (laughs) And so, like, so in general, one of the main things that I end up realizing, I just built my schedule around the fact that most people would want to be social setting at 5.30. Like, the key was to strike a balance between how am I social while also being extremely productive, right? Mm-hmm. So the rule was always wake up at the same time almost every day as much as possible. Yeah, I learned that one late. <laughs> so you do that, and almost everyone wants to start being social at 5.30 because that's when everyone is awake. It's like, oh, let's get uh, let's get dinner because after dinner you yeah. can say I have lunch at 2.00. Like I couldn't say like no I have I have lunch or something like at five thirty would be like okay let's I I do not have an excuse to have dinner so if you kind of schedule your classes in such a way that your first classes forces you to wake up mm-hmm. and your last class gives you an excuse not to hang out with people until five thirty you can have all that in between time to study and you do not have to justify to anyone why you don't want to meet with them you know? yeah I think even if you don't have morning classes scheduled that day like i found out that our my first semester of senior year on fridays i didn't have algorithms until two o'clock so i just don't find myself waking up early in the morning and going to breakfast but then afterwards i just use that extra time to study because i'm just the way i see it i'm like oh if it was monday or wednesday you'd be in a classroom doing mm-hmm. work anyways you might as well be productive with your time and treat it just like any other day yeah that's just me personally and i mean I like also like one of the things that the secret that most one of the things that most people don't realize is just that if you just make it a point to go to the place of study you will uh, it's like trained memory like what's that just, what's it called whenever you're like trained yeah you, you just, just end up zoning you just in. Up, you just end up zoning in. So, for example, if you make it a point every single time, like the good, oh, oh, this is another good point that uh, I realize is just that associate places of study with something you're going to study at that location. Yes. Right? Art history was always studied in Riley because it was an artistic, it was an art building. So I was surrounded by various forms of art and inspiration. So whenever I had to do an art history paper or study for an art history exam or write an essay for art history, I'd be in the um, art building. Yeah. And also, for example, for, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, for math, I'd always be down in Hayes Healy. And so what yeah, that ended up building. affording, like what that and yeah, engineering homework was usually uh, intro to engineering homework was done in Stinson Remick, just because like I'd do it before either before class or right after class, and just do it then. But what that ended up forcing you to do is that you don't have to think about what I have to do when you just know well every single time at I'm this here, point, so I have to do I'm this here, and I'm doing this. So mm-hmm. you just remove the whole thing about like. Oh, what do I study? What do I need to do? Like, because you end up getting stuck in trying to figure out what to study instead of just doing the work. Yeah, exactly. And once you, f- and what I find is after I finish up doing, let's say, my art history work, 
in the art building, I'd move to another building, whether it's the engineering building or the design building, and do more work. And that's a good mental break to take a walk, get a little bit of exercise, and get like the blood flowing and refocused. And then once you get to a new location, you're like amped, or you know, maybe even take a La Fortune break, get a cup of tea, maybe a can some candy from the candy wall. And then it's going. Oh, yeah, By the time you get there, all about that candy lifestyle. Dude. I have a sweet tooth, man. I don't know how I have never had a cavity in my life, but oh, lucky, lucky. I know. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I guess yeah. Is that all for from your end of things? I guess I can sort of describe my routine if you're done. Yeah, no, that really for me that that was the main routine for me because like so what usually ended up happening. Well, also studying with people that aren't distractions because you you were probably one of the few people i could study with there's like i can count on one hand how many people i could actually study with in college I and mean, get things done with like for me one of the one of the things that i absolutely could not stand are people who were trying to talk to me when i was studying yeah and i'd be like what are you doing like come on this i i can't do this you know because for me like the process it takes me like I figure it takes me a matter of like a good five minute from this is what I need to study to zone in time. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's just I like, wish I had that short of a time. I mean, it's just a simple you just simply train yourself to say, OK, as soon as I get here, here's the one. Also, like I do weird things like listening to one track, the same, same playlist track. or something. Yeah. Either the same like that. freshman year, I had that like the same set of songs of when I was doing math. And I usually catch myself like rhyming fifty cents when I would be taking the test, which would be like yeah. terrible. <laughs> it wasn't terrible, it was it would be kinda odd, like of me just rhyming fifty cents while I'm taking notes. I think my sophomore year I was doing brown noise as a thing to zone me in and I think it was like my senior year my junior and senior year, I would like pick one song and have that on repeat every single mm -hmm. time I wanted to focus to do work. And what that end up doing, doing it over time, I would just, that would help me go from, uh, from like, not zoned in, listen to the song. Mm -hmm. And I would like to think that I understand the neurological process that happens and describe it as my brain hears the song and it remembers what kind of state I need to be in when I'm listening to this song. And then it just facilitates me going to that state of mind of focus. But in reality, all it did just drowned out the noise around me and just made me realize, oh, hey, last time I heard the song, I was actually, like, focused. Let's just try to focus and get to that point. For so. sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. But, I mean, that that is all the all the secrets that you could glean from me, to be honest. I mean, my, my process is similar to yours in terms of how I went about the whole roadmap to success. Um, before I explain mine, I actually just remembered. So since I was at an academic low point, whenever I switched my majors, yeah. um, I felt like I redefined the success to not to be about GPA. I want to be able to do and be like, like I said earlier, I want to intermarry or I want to marry my design skills and my software engineering skills together by the time I graduate. And that also meant like working for very like a very well-known and well-respected employer. So I interviewed at both Facebook and Google. Didn't get that because I can't interview <laughs> for the life of me. And I ended up at IBM Watson, um, at IBM Watson doing research and development. So 
that's pretty cool. And I also came off with like learning Ruby on Rails and like some new stuff. So that sounds as a little side note, but sort of my whole roadmap to success and revamp to achieving success became came that semester I achieved or I was not achieved um, that semester. I was placed on academic probation for getting yeah. below 2.0 um, the semester before. Yeah. And I kind of so fi- like, OK, I'm just, yeah. just going to ask. So Go ahead. How did you feel about that? Like getting put on academic probation. You know, it was really depressing. That was a really low point for me emotionally. But like at the same time, I was really depressed about it. Like I felt like total shit for a week or two. So did your parents uh, talk to you about it? Yes, they did. They weren't stern, though. That's the thing. My parents were just like, we know you're better than this. And my dad's like, I know he's like, you may be depressed, but at the same time, he's like, I know you're going to get better. You're going to like rebound from this. I thought they were going to kill me. Holy yeah. crap, that was the hardest <laughs> disgusting, like, you know, it's like telling them I knock somebody up, you know, like equivalent. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't think it's equivalent because... Oh, that's how I thought it time, was. you'd have a baby. I know. But the way I saw it, yeah, I mean, my dad was just like, you're going to get better at this. And I met with Dean Piernick, and she told me, God bless his soul, she was just yeah. like, you are a smart, articulate you're one of the most like um, smart and articulate black men I've ever met in my life. She's like, I know you're better than this. I was, I talked to Leo and we recruited you to come to Notre Dame for a reason. This, yeah. like you're above this. She's like, so I want you to meet with me weekly. We're going to make sure that you're on track with everything, that you're meeting with your professors um, when you need to. At the, the middle of the semester, you better be having pretty decent grades. She was like, don't come back into my office scooting around with these like two um anything less like with like this 2.5 or like these two point yeah, they point, this, these, like, this, these two point something right yeah she's like you're above that she's like i'm not gonna tolerate that i'm just like yeah spam so you know i figured like even though i was in a relationship at the time i was still learning how to study i would isolate myself away from others before i'd always try to do the whole um air quote group study and air quote business but it wasn't really successful because people were goofing off and i couldn't get my work done and additionally even if we weren't goofing off you may be studying in a group but while you may not understand the concepts and they understand it since you're just going with their flow and like they're having them explain it to you you may not truly understand it but you're just like oh, okay well i guess i'll just go with it because i think i Guess I know it since we both came to this answer, or at least I tricked myself. Yeah, into- no, like oh, that's one of the things that I you gotta like. isolate yourself and reinforce. Make sure you know it, and you can only do that by yourself. Yeah. I mean, and that not- this yeah. just mainly applies to like very technical uh, topics. Oh my god, all of everything technical. <laughs> because essentially, what ends up happening is like if you can't explain it, or if you can't like. If you can't explain the process to someone else or if you can't show to someone else like or specifically yourself that this is how I went about getting in, this is why I'm this is I understand why this is that why this works or why this formula is applied in such a way. Yeah. You just usually end up missing the whole point. But the original point that I wanted to make was when I would study with people, it's just like I don't know, I guess that's just me personally. It's just that when if they understood it faster than I did, I would feel like complete shit. Yeah, exactly. You feel inferior because I was like, "Well, he understood." Why am I not understanding this? Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. why am I not understanding this? Is there something wrong with me? 
And like that's why most of the time I would like I would study in isolation. I'm like I I need to understand, like I need to I I need to struggle with this a little bit. In yeah, order exactly. to see like can I prove to myself that I can really make it? Right? Exactly. And I guess like the one advice against that like don't do that for too long, right? As soon as you spend more than oh, two to three hours on a topic, just go to a professor, have him explain it to you. But that's one of the mistakes I made. I would I wouldn't go to the professor until like maybe six seven hours past my struggle busing hours. Yeah, so. but I definitely agree. But at the same time, I feel like really the way the place for you to struggle the most is on the homeworks. But then after you get the homework back, see if you can meet up with a friend or something like that and see where you may have made mistakes at or you can see where you're really lacking and where, well, I guess you both can learn off of each other because if you get something right and he got something wrong and he got something right, but you got something wrong, y'all can sort of, um, you um, and him or her can exchange ideas. Um, Pardon, I said him because all my study buddies were male during college. But um. Yeah, and well, the so steps were like, yeah, so isolated studying really and making sure I really understood the concepts myself before seeking help or like discussing it with others. That was one. Same, another thing was because you know, I took 22 credit hours my junior year, 21 my senior year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it was kind of weird because, like, yeah, Dean Panic was like, you have a two, you have a two, three, and you try to take how many credit hours? Like, <laughs> but I'm trying to get out in four and a half years, yeah. but. Really, time management is the name of the game, but it's kind of ironic because the semester that put me on academic probation, I was only taking 15 credit hours, which was like my lowest amount ever. But really, <laughs> you got to be proactive in terms of like uh, in terms of doing your work. People always want to make excuses whenever I invite them to events, like, "Oh, I don't have time. I really don't have any time." And I'm just like, "You're not making time." Because I was doing 22 credit hours while still doing extracurriculars between Wabruda and PFresh. PFresh practice for I mean, I would, I would, like hours a year. And I did research too. So like six no, hours of research a week. I would put it out there. I mean, like you you did like you you essentially like outdid yourself. Absolutely. I was just it was bugging like you really time management is the name of the game. What really. Yeah. And thank you for that. But like. What really helped me with time management is not only was I being more productive and getting my schoolwork done, but at the same time, that gave me more free time to explore self-study and teaching myself things that I'm not learning in the classroom. So it's through being really productive and getting all my work done early that I was able to work on like side projects and build things and explore new ideas that I wouldn't have been able to explore if I wasn't really as effective with my time. I'd be staying up late trying to do my homework. Or, like, study for a test all the time, you know? Yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, so if you if you don't mind, like, I, yeah. I'm just saying, like, a lot of people say, like, oh, yeah, no, you know what? You actually have time, but you need to just, you need to make time. Like, it's in the same sentence you said, but to a lot of people, that's not something, that it's not something that they actually understand or comprehend. And mm-hmm. the one interesting exercise that you could do to prove that to yourself, it's going to sound super annoying because it is super annoying, is that for a week, every 15 minutes, write down what you're doing or write down what you did every single 15-minute time period of that day. So, like, maybe at the end of the hour, just write down how you spent your last hour. Heck, I'll make it even simpler. If you're on a MacBook or you have a mobile device um, or a smartphone, 
download the application Rescue Time. What it does, it tells you which applications you had open, how much time you spent on it, and it gives you a week, like a daily oh, breakdown snap. of it. At the end of the day, it emails you how much time you spent on each uh, site that day and oh, all that. Yeah. yeah, and you actually set like a goal. So during college, after I discovered that app, I'd say I didn't want to spend any more than 10% of my time on unproductive material. So like Facebook, like Twitter, Reddit, yeah, all social media. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to spend at least like 40% of my time on something productive. So I count productive, like productivity as Stack Overflow, Sublime Text, uh, like yeah. local hosts for development, all my design software and all that good stuff. So really, people say they don't have time, but like I see people like, you know, it's cool to like socialize with your no, friends. Don't so sacrifice like, so social like life, thing. but what's up? So yeah, no, that's, that's, so, like, that's the same thing I'm trying to say. Like, if anyone is saying like, I don't have time or, you know, main, the main one is like, the, I don't have time one is the one that like, yes, you probably, you probably feel like you don't have time, I'm like, you're taking probably... 16 credit hours. Get, get out of here. <laughs> I mean, no, no, dude, some people are just overcommitted, man. That That's also, oh, that's also one of the things that I did very specifically that was very different from uh, many of my peers. I personally, even though I was African-American, the only the only group I was in at Notre Dame was what brewed it. That's the only group that I can actually say, like, yes, I went there. I went to the meetings and I participated in the events. Yeah. Every other group, I made it well, a point show some like skin to too. actually not go. No, but show some skin was. Oh, yo, you talking about like uh, African American? It wasn't. Group. It wasn't a full year commitment. Show some skin true. was just like, hey, this is a production that's going to last eight weeks. Yeah. Right. That's that's. I don't consider that the same. Yeah. The same thing. Well, Bruda and Pfeffer were the only two I went to. So, like for me, I just made it a point to just go to one specific just only one uh one social group and i know that that's very different from a lot of uh group out there and it's kind of i guess to many people might be like a little bit radical to only be involved in one thing but yeah i was like no no no, no. i'm just gonna do what bruda and that's it but i don't know i just i've I sought ways to simplify because I'm very unproductive. I'm just going to put it out there. People think I'm hella productive, which I am not. I just don't do, I just don't do a lot of things. That's, that's really (laughs) it. I just don't do a lot of things. Yeah. So because like, if you were to count my extracurriculars in college, there'll be Wabruda, show some skin and dabbled with some web design, but that's about it. Yeah, and working out. But working out was just like something I did, you know. Yeah, exactly. To get healthy, fit, and like swole, like every single. Trying to get jacked. Yeah, you know, single male college student out there, gee, you know. Except for high, high was. I'm okay with being scrawny, but yeah, really, I think really that's it, man. Like time management really was what saved me because I really am just. Re- I'm very on top of my time management. Yeah. And I really like, oh, that's an- another thing for success. I eliminated napping. I refused to take naps because. What? Yeah, actually, I never nap. I either. can't do nap. Like, I did a lot of napping freshman year. And what I what, what would end up happening is I say, oh, yeah, I'll take a 30 minute nap to an hour, you know? <laughs> but nah, uh uh-uh. uh. Ended up sleeping for like an hour to an hour and a half. Yeah. And so by eliminating naps, 
really you shouldn't i feel like you shouldn't be napping in college because if you make it a point to go to bed at a very reasonable time and wake up at the same time every single day once you get into that routine you'll feel well rested therefore you won't need any naps as long as you just eat right eat balanced i know i mean i yeah. said like one of the things that i know is like people i mean That's people hate routine here. like i know people hate routine absolutely hate routine but i personally find i find routine to be very comfortable at least for at least the four days of, of like four days i mean four out of seven days you should know everything you're doing, like, by the hour. Yeah. At least if you're a technical student who's taking at least 18 credits on average. And I know I know Dame that's, like, 18 credits on average for the first uh, three two and a half yet. Yeah. No, five well, semesters, dude. Up until, like, junior year first semester. Yeah, that's true. You're on, essentially, 18 credits, highly demanding technical classes. At least for me, I came, I came in with like no AP, no AP credits. Yeah, uh, that I could validate. So the first uh, two and a half years were absolutely crushing, grueling classes that I needed to like some serious time mm-hmm. to just digest in general. So I had to make sure that my uh, my routine that I had allocated time to do each thing at the time and. At the end, it's not like, and the thing is, like, it doesn't need to be that way throughout the whole, throughout the whole uh, collegiate career, right? Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. Because, like, one of the things that people don't realize, your freshman GPA, like, that first semester is so crucial. Dog, like, you're you... telling me. Anybody listening, if you're an incoming freshman... It's easier to maintain a good GPA than it is to pull up a low GPA because it took me from my like third semester of college yeah. until the time I graduated. How many semesters was that later? Like six semesters later? Yeah, yeah. six semesters later to get it up to a three zero and yeah, from a yeah. two two to a three zero. So it is hard to like go up than it is to like you know go down. Yeah, just keep that in mind. And like for me. Uh, by the time I reached senior year, so after three years worth of like uh, eighteen credits per semester, I ended up getting to my to my senior year right in September with an offer, and I looked at I had like what ten classes left, so I had thirty credits left, and we had a GPS calculator, and what ended up happening is like had I had I could have had ten C's for all my classes that semester, and I would still have met. Uh, my work job requirement. Yeah, man, that GPA calculator and me became the best became best friends. Best friend. So actually, like, actually, Dean Pierre, Nick, and me. She actually asked her at my academic probation meeting, "What did my average GPA have to be for like X amount of semesters for me to get up to three O? Think yeah. of some ish like I had to. Well, actually, that actually I asked that like my junior year, and mm-hmm. she was like, um, I think I had to maintain like an average of." A three four from like my beginning of my junior year until graduate until I graduated and I was thinking about no my bad I was like a three five or something like that and that yeah. was from like junior year to like end of my yeah. fifth year yeah, but I ended up doing like year. four and a half so I had uh, I was crushing it yo I had the like three seven like my last two semesters yeah. and then like the 
uh, third from last semester, I had like a three six and like an had another three six like the semester before that. I was crushing it, and I was oh, with yeah. taking twenty one credits and everything too. I was like proud of myself coming I mean, from dude, like no, a two real, like a one point nine from like fifteen credit hours to like making um three six or yeah. higher from um twenty one and like nineteen or eighteen credits. No, it's I wild, mean, dude. Like you, you did put in work. I mean. Essentially, what you end up did you you did like uh, let's have fun and party, and then you ended up having to do like crushing, grueling work at the end of the of your collegiate career. But I ended up doing the reverse. I was like, hey, let me do crushing, grueling work freshman and sophomore year while I'm actually still under twenty one and I can't do anything uh, illegal per se. Yeah, and because I remember my my senior year was. I had my two best GPAs were freshman year, first semester, and senior year, second semester. Yeah. And senior year, second semester, I barely did anything. I had, what, 12 credit, 12 credit class, 12 credits. Must be nice. project-based classes, so I didn't even have exams during exam week. People were out there crushing, like, oh, my gosh, I have to do exams. And I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, as I had more design classes of exams, so it became less of a worry for me and just projects. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. Like, in the end, it doesn't need, like, as an engineer, it doesn't mean that, like, your whole life needs to be, like, a crushing uh, homework, never-ending homework streak. But you can, for me, I can say, like, the four years that I had, hardest hardest year was probably sophomore year. First, first semester, semester yeah, that's a like weed out semester for most engineers, I believe. Yeah, because you get all initial classes and they're trying to front load all the labs during that time. Yeah, I, I had so many labs, and like between physics, computer science labs second, too. Second hardest would be first semester junior year because you get to the higher level um, classes that are a little bit. Um, yeah, mm, maybe for y'all. No, second I, semester junior year is pretty bad, yeah. Wait, you said what? Second semester? Theory computing was just so difficult and such a nightmare. <laughs> it was like open note, open book, yeah. and the average in the exams was still like a 70 or a 65. Yeah, don't even come and talk to me. I had an exam. Oh, yeah, y'all had, yeah, y'all I had an fucking... exam that was like a 55 was the average. So Open note, was... open book? No, it wasn't open note, open book, but like... It's still like the average is a fifty-five. Yeah, like that's that's not that's something that you don't feel really good about. So. Yeah, I actually just thought of something. Another way of, or at least I personally achieved success was priorities. Prioritizing. Romeo may have picked on me throughout college for skipping tailgating, but you do what you got. Handle your business. Let's. <laughs> Let's just be clear here, right? I was tailgating at a time where I essentially already had a job lined up. That's true. And as I as I made it, like I had already computed my worst case scenario, which was for me on my personal standards impossible. Yeah, for sure. Right. So the only reason the reason why I was tailgating, like I didn't I didn't tailgate my freshman year. I barely tailgated, right? Um, I didn't start tailgating until after I turned twenty-one. To be honest, yeah, it was that, that was pretty much the same same for me. 
So in my senior year, I just like went ham because well, last year, too, my um, I had uh, what I would call a high margin of error. Yeah. So in order for me to actually fail, I needed to get an F. Yeah. Right. I've, because yeah, that's, that's the only by way. actually making an F. But yeah, continue. Yeah, that's that was the only way I I would need to retake a class. Right. That would mean like yes, getting an F means that you don't get to graduate on time. You know, but, and that to me was like me essentially not showing up to class, which is something I, I almost never skipped class. Like Ooh, that. you just actually reminded me. I skipped a lot of classes whenever I was a freshman, sophomore. Dude, like that, that's the one thing I never understood. Why do people skip classes? It makes no Dog, sense. Dog, 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, no, but. Now, now looking at it, it's comical. I wake up at 6.30 every single day. Exactly. But like, <laughs> but. As a freshman, I was just like, yeah, I'll just get the notes from somebody else. But really, you don't even have to pay attention in the class. I, I would, like, would go to class and not pay attention, like, later on. I do, like, other work. But at the same time, just no. being there and being able to see the notes and listen to the professor talk. And, like, you're still subconsciously soaking in the information. Like, that you know. It depends on the class that you were in, though. That was an yeah. algorithm thing. That class is the hardest class that computer science majors take. But, yeah. And I was able to do that in any class. It couldn't, didn't matter which class it was. But that's just me personally. I don't know. No, here's here's my argument for you, right? Your class was very computer. All like my beef with computer science classes and the way they say like they go to class and don't do anything is that most of your homework ends up being, help. Like you end up accomplishing most of your homework by going on a stack exchange. And it's a very incremental. Like you, you see the. Path oh, not for the classes though. <laughs> not for the not for theory. Yeah, but that's like what one out of how many classes? Uh, is that try like. Four. <laughs> That's one out of four classes. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like four. It's not only one. I'm talking about like four theoretical classes. Yeah, over the course of how of how of the whole, were you taking four theoretical classes at once, or like four mm-hmm. total mm-hmm. theoretical four, classes over the course of five classes. years? So let's see. Fundamentals of computing one and two. That's a heavy programming course. Yeah. Discrete mathematics theoretical. Uh, theory of computing theoretical. Programming paradigms. No, my bad. Data structures theoretical. Okay. Paradigms as half theoretical. Did I say theory of computing already? Yeah, you already said that. Algorithms theoretical. Okay. So yeah, we're at like four and a half, five ish. Like out of the whole theory class. Yeah. But at the same time, that we take like eight classes in general, like eight to nine, like computer science classes. Well, so core like, classes. We have like. Then, so yeah, but my point to you is, your homework was essentially programming. And you have a lot of resource, a really good help resources that are not limited to your book or to whatever. So, like, for mm. example, you give me a programming homework in Fun Comp or Fun Comp 2, and I have an idea of what I need to do. I can yeah. go on Stack Overflow and get, sift through a bunch of information to figure out how I need to accomplish it. That doesn't always work, though. I'm not you saying know? it doesn't always work. But I'm just saying that's only for fun comp one and two though, because we're doing C and C plus plus, and you can Google for the error. But what comes to theoretical classes, like having to do like programming a Turing machine, push down a Tomda DFA. Here's the thing, like what I'm telling you, what I'm trying to tell you is that yeah, your amount of theoretical classes that you did versus what an electrical engineering takes as a theoretical class is completely different. Yeah. Right. 
So, like, the, the point I'm trying to make, like, you can go to class and not follow because you have, like, a large potential, like, you have a, lar- a large backlog of help out there present. But those are only you. for, like, syntax. They don't really explain theory. Yeah, Like, like Stack Overflow syntax, is pointless, useless for syntax, theory. Syntax is as, it's, like, at least one part of the equation. Kind right. of, but that's like speaking another language. It's like not, that doesn't really matter. You still but get, if you, no, but you still get the autograph. You still get how you write, how you at least write the word. You still no, have, because like, if you don't understand the theory, the you're screwed. Better. Because if you don't understand the theory, you're not going to be able to code up any of the algorithms in general. Like we weren't no, but doing. Not, but you yeah. get a starting point. That's what you don't get. Like you get somewhere to start. No, you don't, because you still have to figure out it like on your own. Well, it's like okay. Oh I guess we do get a starting point because we can course, write out. Of course, we, you do. You do we can get write a out pseudocode, point. but at the exactly. same time, that's no different. That's like saying that you get a starting point because you get to design circuits. Wait, how, where do I get on this? paper? On paper. Do you know that's, how many classes like, that we get design circuit, dude? The the bulk of my classes, right? The bulk of my classes was a written problem, right? Where essentially I would have to go from beginning to end, starting from one formula that needed to, like, m- the stack of my classes were all theoretical. Okay. Right? But I think you're also giving us the benefit of the doubt because in my computer science classes, like, mm. we, like, even the theory classes, we'd have programming assignments in addition to written assignments where we wouldn't have to, and it'd be like straight theory. So, no, like, like the, the, one out, point, yeah. the one point I was trying to make is, like, you can't go out there and say, like, Going to class and now following is a good way to. It's a good move. I mean, if the slides were up on like online, I just go and listen and then I read. I'm even talking about for my arts. And, I'm talking about for my arts and letters classes. I'm not even talking no, about. No, like the, the, yeah. the, the point. The point I'm trying to make here is that like you, it's not like it's very specific. Like you can't just tell it's people very, like, well, oh, I know, went to class and I d- didn't even follow because then at that point someone else can come and say like. Oh hey, like well, you went to class, you didn't even pay attention. What was the point of being there? Because that is an argument. Like, what did you even go there for? Just to right? listen. <laughs> but were you even listening though? Yeah, I was. I don't Cause, know, man. Because you have a whiteboard in front of you, right? And the professor's taking notes, and you can still like see what he's drawing on the whiteboard. As it's better to go there and see that. And personally, he just moved at too fast of a pace. I just stopped taking notes in general. I just started watching and listening and then rereading the textbook in my free time to reinforce what he discussed in class. But then you said that you were also programming at the same time. Like yeah. you were doing something else while he was doing something else. But yeah. that, so you're essentially saying you were multitasking and you're multitasking doing that. And the thing is, what I'm trying to say is that that's how you work. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's your brain. It's not like something that I would say, like, "Hey, yo, by the way, go multitask." Like, no, no, no. Definitely, that's my. You and I had physics class together, right? Yeah. You and I had physics class together. What would I do in physics class? In physics class, I would go in there. The first thing I would do in the first ten minutes is sleep. I would tell you, dude, don't wake me up because I'm sleeping. Like as soon as I finish sleeping, I'd wake up and actually take better notes. But I'm not gonna go out there and tell people, well. Just go show up even if you're tired and for the first 10 minutes, definitely sleep and then take yeah. notes, right? I, I can't tell that to people. Like, this is that, like, the, the point of oh, you know, I'm there to were make. some classes that you can say, oh, yeah, you don't even have to worry about taking notes. Like, it's yeah. an easy class. You'll be okay. No, I agree. But those are very specific and that they're not generally applicable. Yeah. I, would, I would say, like, listen, I probably would have been, been better off sleeping even better. 
and going to class fully awake for physics, right? So I can't say that that's one of the things that made me successful. Right. I was like physics too as well. Like the one that I fell asleep during the middle of the exams. Yeah. So like the thing is like I, I wouldn't tell people like go to class, program while you're following him because that's uh, how your brain specifically works. Yeah. It all depends on which class it is too though because there are yeah. some classes I'm just so, like it's so, more productive for me to program or than like anything else. People would be so, programming throughout the entire class. I wouldn't be alone. The, philosoph- so. the, the, the point that I'm trying to tell you is yeah, conclusion. you can't just give blanket knowledge or blanket, blanket advice. advice yeah. Unless you know that it's like applies to everything. That's right? true. So I just, I just want to make sure that I don't even know what the hell we were talking about before we got on this. No, but essentially you just, we just, we were saying like, just make sure you go to class no matter what. Oh and yeah, said, definitely. Like, then make sure you go to class no matter what, even if you're not following. And I don't think like that's. So I can't. Heck, can't I would still argue that. for that. Personally, I mean, yeah, the thing you would. It's so better. It's so better not going at all. Yeah, but you can't say like go there and don't follow, because you can't like there are people that you can say go there and don't follow, and they actually yeah. don't follow and they feel like they don't they didn't learn anything. You went there, programmed at the same time, and that worked for you. If I went there, program at the same time, I like, I don't multitask. Like, I don't, I don't do this, like, absorb knowledge from somewhere else while I'm doing something else. Like, that's plainly not me. So if yeah. you give me that advice and I go and do it, I'm gonna utterly fail. Yeah, for sure. Right. But I know if I tell someone like, hey, listen, if you go to class and make sure, like, you know, you try to focus, that's something that I'm sure that you and I would do, and that could work for the both of us for sure. Yeah. For so sure. like, I, I would just like avoid blanket. I I absolutely hate blanket advice from anyone specifically, which is why I always ask very specific questions. Yeah, I feel you on that. So like, yes, it worked for you, but it's not something that I would say like anyone out there go and do X Y Z because then at that point you just end up saying like, what's the point of going to fucking class if I can just look at the slides and do the homework and just have the same level of education so you go on a whole educational tangent about saying what's the worth of college yeah right so i would just that's a territory that i don't think we want to cross all right guys to succeed go to class you know face your books stay in school kids and also <laughs> for going to class you're paying a shit ton of money and I don't see why you waste that money. So really, it's an investment, and you're like not taking advantage of your investment. I know, if you people don't, don't realize like you are <laughs> paying a fuck ton of money, or your parents are, and if or they are, you should feel are. even more bad because like someone, their money. Like, someone out there Somebody's is paying, paying. money, <laughs> and you're essentially wasting an investment. Absolutely, it could be that kid that like you know you took somebody else's spot, and they could be paying like they probably would be working harder than you are to like have be in your shoes. Possibly. Possibly. So yeah, don't take things for granted. For sure. I think I think we should probably kind of try to table this as we might go a little bit longer. Yeah. Expected, but... but actually, I mean, I think we really hit all the points. Like. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. So routine. Waking I mean, up. What yeah. I would say, like, if, if anyone has any like other questions. On this topic, there would be, you know, it's, I would be more, we would be more than happy to, to answer. Like answer specifics or just give extra tips. But, but yep. uh, yeah. Hello at twoblacknerds.com. Shoot us an email. 
or at two black nerds on Twitter. Shoot us a tweet. We'll respond. Yeah, I am at I'm Romeo Quihangana at Qui Romeo, which is K W I R O M E O. Yep, and I'm at Kuchu K W U C H U. And yeah, just feel free if you have if you want a general question, tweet at two black nerds. But if you have a question for like one of us specifically, don't feel don't hesitate to just shoot us a message and whatnot. So yeah, I guess till next time. Yep. Take care, y'all. Thank you for listening. Peace. Peace.